Swapna. <laughs> now you got all official Swapna. <laughs> well, I was going to tell a story. <laughs> tell a story. I just hit record so we could get it. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, I was going to tell a story to Sarah and Tessa who worked with me about how me and Ray met. So we met a year ago in Colorado and we were both on a hike and he looked very fancy. And he had like these fancy walking sticks and he had like he was just really well prepared and I was doing a hike after maybe 10 years and I felt really ill prepared. So of course everyone who looked better than me I thought was cooler than me. So he had these fancy sticks and I was tired at some point and I just struck up a conversation and did not expect ever to meet him again. And did not know he was from Yukon, Oklahoma and did not know he was a pastor and well uh, we are here after almost a year because this is May and I'm going back to Colorado next month so I think it's almost for us it has been a journey mm -hmm. so let me introduce our amazing guest today uh, we have Sarah Coffey who is who is, I will let her introduce herself because I don't think I can do justice to to the amazing work she does. And we have Tessa Cheshire, who is another child psychiatrist and an infant mental health psychiatrist, infant psychiatrist who works with me. We decided to pause and pause our busy lives and do this recording on a Saturday morning because we're just feeling hurt and we didn't know what to do about the hurt that we have and we thought maybe if we honored our hurt mm -hmm. it would it would be important so I'm going to pause and let Sarah uh, tell us who she is I know that we all wear the hat of a parent the hat of a scholar the hat of a doctor and uh, among the million other hats we wear so I'm just going to let Sarah talk a little about herself and then Tessa and then I will, I guess Ray doesn't need introduction because it's me and Ray always on the podcast and these are our very, very, very special guests and we are starting big because they are very special. So I'm going to give the mic to Sarah. Hi Swapna, good morning or good afternoon or good day everyone. Um, I was really looking forward to you introducing me. I was going to get my my grin on and to hear your lovely voice as you talk about your colleagues. And really, thank you for the space for you and Ray to create, to come talk about heavy things um, and to feel heard um, with all of this bigness going on. Swapna, you mentioned that I'm a parent and I am. I have two elementary school kids who I love dearly and are my world. I'm a mom and a sister uh, and a daughter. and practice as a child psychiatrist, which I really love and have the opportunity to work with Swapna and Tessa. Uh, in that role too, I work with child welfare. So I work for a lot of 
with a lot of children and families that are in the child welfare system and really enjoy the work that I get to do there. And so it's really a privilege to be here with you guys. And thanks for creating the space. Dessa? Thank you, Swapna, for having us. And I'm glad Sarah went first there. <laughs> um, it's, it is interesting hearing people introduce themselves. Um, well, yeah, who am I? I am also a mom of two teenagers, one of which is trying to call me as we speak here. <laughs> Stop. Go away. Now we have a we have a rule on our podcast that if family calls, you got to answer. So oh, go ahead. Feel free. Feel free to answer. I should have answered. I think he gave his first tennis lesson this morning to a five-year-old. So awesome. awesome. Curious about how that went. Yeah. I wanted to record it or something. Yeah. Uh, so I am a mom and a wife of a school teacher, um, elementary school teacher. And I am also a child psychiatrist and love my job working with kids. Um, I work a lot with um, littles, as Sarah said, or excuse me, as Swapna said, so ages zero to five, I work a lot with abuse and neglect. Um, and then I also work with um, the homeless population as well. So youth and um, in, in that realm. And so yeah, thank you for bringing us together, Swapna, to talk about these, these heavy issues that are hard to talk about. Uh-huh. You know, there is a part of me Swapna here. There's a part of me that just wants to avoid and have fun and just talk about things that I... So we originally, originally two days ago, as I was talking to Tessa about some other things, I've had this idea that, you know, me and Sarah and Tessa do, do work routinely with things that have come up with the children that struggle and families that are hurt and families that are broken we that's our day job is to work work with hurting families and to to hold the pain and to find some semblance of hope that's our day job and i was talking to both of them and i thought as i dis- tried to discuss the school shooting i just couldn't even begin couldn't even know where to begin and I I just was feeling so so sad inside that I did not have words to to describe the pain I was feeling I I thought maybe we could create a space just to feel and mourn together because I feel it's hard to know what to say it it I am almost lost for words, but I thought maybe if we come together, we would some we would find some words that could be shared words. And I um, just to kind of come alongside what you guys are saying, um, one of my main Ray, Ray can okay. you can you tell us who you are? Yes, um, my name is Ray. I'm a I'm I'm a, actually a pastor, husband, father friend. Um, my wife and I used to serve in Central America. One of our biggest, um, uh, one of the biggest things we did was walk alongside families that are, that are hurting, um, in either in poverty, uh, homelessness, um, 
possibly, um, you know, shelter insecurity, just uh, different um, dynamic and, and families. And there's a lot of trauma. Um, and when you when you step into the human condition and open your eyes, there's a lot of trauma uh, there. And so my wife and I, our biggest um, job in Central America was try to offer hope. And so we would um, it would either be through, you know, a food center or through a spiritual formation, through um, really just walking with families. Um, and so we were there 15 years in Costa Rica, Panama, Honduras, um, and, and throughout Central America. And then coming to the States, there's this thought that you leave a third world country and you're not going to see this stuff anymore, but that's not true. <laughs> you come to the States, we're in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, you know, right away, uh, the homelessness, the, um, um, even uh, food, uh, you know, insecurity, just just the things people walk through. And then on top of that uh, trauma, our, our ministry, our job has become more and more walking with families through incredibly difficult situations. Um, and so uh, even, even this week, um, people that are not necessarily in my circle have been reaching out, trying to find resources to oh, to help um, either through therapy or through um, you know, counseling, therapy, doctors, whatever, um, and then also just just support. And so, uh, one of the one of the the things about this season in in our world, you would think that we would have figured this stuff out, mm -hmm. um, and yet we're still dealing with brokenness. And um, and so, uh, I, I being a pastor, um, I have a deep faith, and there's many answers when you start working through your soul working in your your spiritual life and and i'm reminded um you know scripture talks about weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice um also carrying one another's burdens uh, there's something very human about stopping and sitting with people in grief mm -hmm. and uh so thank you swapna for this idea and also for this uh, vision uh, to do this today mm -hmm. Yeah, this is Sarah. I, I agree. I think, Ray, thank you so much for the kind of kindred spiritness of caring for folks. And I think bringing us all here together, that's kind of a similar thread that so often we're putting others in front of us. And I think many humans are anyways. If you're a parent, if you love somebody, we kind of put others before us in many ways. Uh -huh. and I'm, I'm reflecting, I think, on the the partnership that, that I get to have with Swapnin and Tessa and being able to text. And I remember when this occurred, texting Tessa and saying, I'm just feeling like I need to cry. Like there's mm -hmm. a stuck cry, like in my heart and, and already wanting to move on to the problem solving or the, what do we do? But at first I needed to really touch in with that feeling. And, and even just, I think texting her and saying, I feel like I needed to cry, like kind of opened it up in a way. And, and I think to hold that, really heavy emotion and to honor that is a value because that sadness I think really resonates with me of how important an issue it is, how important it is that this this has occurred um, and really appreciate again Swapna the time to, to honor this heavy feeling because it's real and it's of value. Yeah, grief is something we don't do well. Um, typically in our, our society, we don't lament and grieve very well. Um, I think it's because we are driven to solution and, and a lot of times the, like you said, the drivenness to fix it, um, skips the important part to actually sit in it. Um, yeah. 
So Swapna here, I feel that we are, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> I feel we are driven to fix it because we believe that we cannot hold the pain. Yeah. I feel we, if we, we only fix things that we think are problems. And if we think pain is a problem, then our first instinct is to fix it. So I remember reading uh, on on my parents school parents group chat that we needed more security at the school after this happened and it just broke my heart mm-hmm. i just didn't even want to respond and i felt like whatever response i would give would not be would somehow would would be wrong because that would invalidate the parent feeling scared if i said we don't need security mm-hmm. it would invalidate the parent feeling scared if i said the school should do more it would invalidate what the school was already doing if i did not say my piece it was invalidating me so i felt like mm. i was stuck in this pain like sarah said and i did not have a good solution i mean i have no solution i do not have any answers i come from a country so i came originally from india i've been i'm an american citizen but i've been in this country for last 20 years and i feel like i'm neither indian not american nor american completely i'm somewhere in the middle but growing up in india we had terrorism mm-hmm. that was routine that we had to get used to and uh, coming to us i think this is something that i am getting used to which i don't want to this is the 288 shooting in america in the school and we have had five in india so it's it's kind of a different scale so it's just uh, i'm lost i think i i forgot what i was trying to say and i'm going to pause because i don't know if i'm making sense anymore so i'm going to pause for now for yeah. a minute you're making perfect sense swapna it's it's so hard to put into words the the feelings and i sarah texted me and i i sit there and i always you guys know i analyze everything <laughs> and i'm like what do i say what will make her feel better but i'm like i don't know what to say and and i don't know what to put into words and i said something to my kiddos and i remember my 17 year old said you know it's sad it's almost sadder that i don't feel as sad as i did before because i'm getting so used to it wow and i was like oh my gosh like what's going on here and that hit me and i yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I as I was telling my 10 year old that I'm doing this post this podcast he brought up some of the details that he had discussed with his friends that that the child the gunman had shot his grandma mm-hmm. right before before he did this and uh, it's kind of interesting I have my parents visiting from India right now and uh, my kids don't get grandparents year round they they get them in heavy doses mm-hmm. uh at some points so it's i think it's interesting that he brought it up saying 
the child i mean i can i keep referring to this person as the child but he is a child to me because as sarah and tasa no mm-hmm. we don't think of 18 year old one week 18 year olds as children i mean sorry we don't think of them as adults in our professional world we think of mm-hmm. them as still developing work in progress children right so he 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 it was interesting that as i am telling him about the podcast that i'm going to do he brings up the fact that this this child this person shot their grandma before he went on to do this so uh-huh it's just my son max said the same thing uh, mm-hmm. yesterday morning yeah uh, he was like what why would anybody shoot their grandma mm-hmm. um and and i and i think in the end of this not the end but part of this discussion is the um we have gotten to a place in our society where we don't think pain and evil if you want to put it that way still exist we we've kind of um hidden the fact and so i had no answer for max i have no idea why someone would shoot their own grandma you know mm-hmm. i mean that's pretty um devastating as far as that what what where you'd have to get to in just disconnection from humanity to do that mm-hmm. um and so just the beginning of the process if that was all he did that was sad enough mm-hmm. uh, but then to take it further um and i don't think we'll ever understand the mind of a of a person like this i don't i really don't know if we can actually analyze it enough to understand it i think dessa specializes in that <laughs> <laughs> right dessa <laughs> you always sit there and, and think well oh. the backpack of people's experiences is, and they yeah. see everything through their backpacks and what was in this kid's backpack and then oh. i get to the point of it it kind of you can think about it so much where you take can take the feelings out of it sometimes but oh. i don't know it's it's just sad yeah well and if you keep watching i i, I haven't watched a whole lot cuz it's just um the little bit that i've watched has been just devastating uh just because we still haven't figured out how to respond to these things and i'm not sure if that, i think that's probably appropriate but there was an interview with his mom the 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 guy's mom and how she was weeping and asking people to forgive her son and it's kind of like uh <laughs> we're in the heat of this i know that's what she wants but mm-hmm. it's okay to be mad it's okay to be upset it's okay to to ask questions right now. I think that this is Sarah. I think the the hard thing that I want to focus on too is the the I'm going to pick on you Ray. Um yeah. but but in good jest. The this the sense that we feel like we haven't we don't know what to do with this yet. I think is is a little bit of a I don't know if that's entirely true because I think that several organizations, the American Psychological Association, the National Council have actually put out pretty detailed reports about how we can be preventative about mm-hmm. how not only can um you know gun laws and um threat assessments and other things that we do in school there's actually a lot to show what we could do i i worry i don't know if there's a will to do anything and so yeah. i have to be very clear and for i had the privilege of serving on the mass violence in america paper with the national council where we brought together judges and and we brought together police, FBI, mental health professionals, like we were all together to to convene to talk about what do we do about this? And this was 
four or five years ago, and I'm saddened that this paper is still relevant, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's like we have to keep on putting it out. And to be honest, there's many opportunities for prevention, for support, but I don't know what has been implemented. And, yeah. and I struggle with this as a as an American and someone who really loves this country, but also very much feeling like, what are we doing? You know, um, how are we not taking the will and the effort? Because I think everybody wants the same goal. Like, I think everybody wants to make sure this is not occurring, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's the fact that we can't implement some policy or some changes in many different systems to be able to prevent it. And that I think is even what makes me feel more helpless and sad. Not that this even occurred, but it feels like it keeps occurring and we're not doing anything to address it. Yeah. I think my point about we don't know what to do is more along the lines of we think as a society, the further we go along, the more either enlightened or the more Mm -hmm. um, this would, this, this kind of thing wouldn't happen because everyone's needs are cared for. And I mm -hmm. think where we're burying our head in the sand is that we think that we have progressed as far as the human condition. And yet we have mm -hmm. not, you can't legislate people's morality. You can't put a law mm -hmm. in place to fix someone's heart. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't, you can't have enough locks on a door or bars on a window to mm -hmm. keep people's, you know, uh, spirit, soul, heart to actually do carry out what they want to carry out. And I lived in, in Central America where I don't think that school shootings are a thing, but there's so many other violent things that happen outside of that. And the reason school shootings aren't necessarily uh, don't happen is because there's incredible armed guards and gates and bars and it's impossible to get into a school. It's a barricaded thing. It's just like trying to get into the embassy. embassy. Mm -hmm. And so I think you can to a point put in structures to keep this from happening, but it doesn't fix the human heart and condition. And I think that's my point is that people don't know what to do. Like they're surprised by the evil that's out there. Mm -hmm. And I think so, that's my point. Yeah. You know, Ray, I keep hearing your, you talk about evil and mm. I want to, this is Swapna. Uh, <laughs> you, you're not, I, you don't get lost, Swapna. <laughs> yeah, are you reminding yourself, Swapna? Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I had asked everyone to, to start with who they are at the beginning of the podcast, and I want to, <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so anyway, Ray, I, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck right now with the word you're using because me, Sarah, and Tessa do not use that word. Mm -hmm. because it's a very ministral word or ministerial word. I know, I know it is. It's a, when you step into my line of work, um, and I, I've told you this on one of our episodes that I did not do this on purpose. I didn't set out to be a pastor. I didn't set out to be in ministry. I actually set out to do anything else with my life. And yet I found myself working with people over and over again, whether I was working for a Fortune 500 company in communications or working in Central America in a nonprofit, it didn't really matter. I found myself surrounded by the human condition and would step into a pastoral role and didn't realize it. And so eventually, just by accident, I found myself in this place. And one of the, it is easy to have a cop-out answer like, oh, it's just evil. That, that's an easy cop-out. And I and I don't say it lightly. I do think there are situations where humans are just stupid and they do things that they want to do, not because anybody told them to or they were conditioned to. They just want to. But I think there's also an element 
And the reason I say evil, I mean, we'd have to define exactly what I mean by that. But I do think there is a condition where people are blinded to what is truth and what is love and their, their fellow human. And that becomes evil. You know, there's so much, so much, so much to unpack in what you said. Yeah. But I love the analogy that uh, Tessa had of the backpack. Yeah, so, you know, some people's backpack is heavier. Like this wow. child's backpack to shoot their own grandmother mm-hmm. with mom asking for forgiveness. Maybe she was asking for forgiveness for herself because I don't think any mother can feel not responsible. Like, like if my child sneezes, I feel responsible. Mm-hmm. If my child looks at another child negatively, I feel like, oh my God, how have I failed? Like, if my choi- child misses a three-pointer in a basketball game, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what could I have done? So, so to well, you to- are a professional basketball player, Swapna. I just have to. <laughs> <laughs> you should have taught him how to do that. I'm sorry. Ah. There. <laughs> well, and I think you're you're saying something very interesting that I I I'm not sure what the what the reason is why parents feel so much weight on their kids' performance and how they live through them. I don't, that's one of the things that I personally don't do with my own kids and I don't understand. You know what I'm saying? I want my kids to succeed. I want them to be great citizens. I want them to be productive. I want them to finish school. But if they miss something or don't do something, I'm like, wow, oh well. <laughs> they just did. Ray, you know. Ray, I feel like you're outnumbered having three child psychiatrists here. I know. I know. I'm, I'm already feeling like, oh dear. But, but I, no, I just I, tell I, me. Tell me. It's okay. Thing on too is, you know, and I think I, I feel like I'm probably speaking for our little child psychiatry group. I know that I, you know, personally got into this profession recognizing that early intervention can really change the trajectory. Totally agree. Right? Totally agree. Yeah. So I think that, you know, kids that come from a perhaps a family with a lot of domestic violence that see violence as an answer to solve a problem, right? That if we can have more safe, supporting family environments, if we can change the trajectory that as we look back on somebody that goes on to commit violence, we can kind of see, oh, I can see how they got there. Their life was riddled with violence. Mm-hmm. And I'm resonating on the term evil. And I'm, for me, that seems so finite, right? Like there's mm-hmm. nothing I could have done or could have been done that prevented this from happening because they were just evil to the core. Evil. No, 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 no. Yeah. Evil. And I think that's the difference with when I'm saying, I'm not saying a person actually is evil. They, they were, they uh, were, they were succumbed to evil. Like yeah. they were, they themselves were not in their core. Yeah. Um, but they took steps towards it. And they open the door towards it, just like you can open the door towards good. You can yeah. open the door towards bad. Yeah, like kind of, and we often talk about that kind of defining the behavior as opposed to the person. And and I it's not and, identity. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's helpful to kind of to unpack that a little bit too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I I want to ask a question to you guys since you guys work with this quite a bit. What have you seen when when there is a kid that that grows up in incredible trauma, has their backpack full of hurt and pain? And yet they never carry that out. They actually turn out to be very productive citizens, very successful individuals. Like, why is that true? And then you have others that grew up in a very loving environment and has have no trauma in their backpack. And yet they choose to do something like this because that's happened. Also, you can look at our the shooting incidents around the country and you have both sides. You know, you have both. There's not like a pattern 
of upbringing. Now, maybe there's some hidden things in the home. I don't know, you know, but, but as far as like, have you seen why, and, and I maybe Swapna internationally in India, I've seen it so many times over and over again in Central America where kids grow up in incredibly difficult situations and yet they, they don't respond like you'd expect them to. They're very resilient, you know? And I think that, oh, this is Tessa. If someone didn't introduce themselves, it's probably me. Um, <laughs> um, I think that goes into the complicated nature of all this. I mean, it's not just your environment, right? It's the whole nature nurture. It's all epigenetics. It's, it's, we're confusing beings, as you know. And I think the answer, there is no one answer. And you can look, you can say, oh, you know, we know genetically that people with certain um, uh, uh, telomere links on this gene have more likelihood of having PTSD symptoms. And then when you put them into this environment, it's the stress that pushes them over. Um, and we can break it down into all of these pieces. Um, and I don't think we as humans are <laughs> smart enough to know everything that's going on and it says it's so complicated and that's why yeah. we don't have an easy answer for things yeah, i agree well we don't know what we don't know and i and i mm -hmm. as we progress as as humans I, I i really think in the essence of it we think there's going to be a day there there's going to be some revelation that's going to help us understand and i'm curious over the last you know however many thousands of years of documented history no one's arrived at that you know no one's arrived at the conclusion mm -hmm. You know, I uh, as I'm I'm listening to all of you, I have this visual image, two visual images. I have a little pen and paper that I'm I'm drawing on as I am I'm I'm listening to you. So the first thing I was coming up with is we cannot really call this evil because then there is no hope in that world. For mm -hmm. most of us, for me, there is no hope in the word evil. It's it's quite a quite a finite. It's kind of final. Like if it, if it is evil, then there is no hope. So in the backpack of burden, if I call the person carrying or if the action of the the little child or sorry, not little child of the child carrying the heavy backpack of bird of, of burdensome things. If I call this evil, then there is no hope. And I want to keep hoping. I want to keep dreaming, as is the name of the podcast, right? It's mm -hmm. dreams and hopes. And without hope, there can be no dreams. So so we all want to dream. But the word uh, to me, and thank you for clarifying, Ray, but the word to me did not have hope. But when you clarified, I had hope. And I drew the little backpack right. in my doodle book the other thing i was thinking as as you were talking about is who is resilient and mm -hmm. if you get a loving home and if you get a good temperament and if you are willing to give more than you get you have great chances of being successful in life mm -hmm. but if you want more than you get and if you are saying the world is a problem and if you get a crappy parent who uses mm -hmm. alcohol or drugs or is not there for your unmet needs if you 
if your grandmother sometimes has, has to pick up the slack of what your parents cannot provide, then you start looking at the world as a place where there is no hope. Mm-hmm. Where there is... And you kind of start to dehumanize the world as... Or mm-hmm. even feel like you have not gotten what, what you were promised. Mm-hmm. What you were promised when you came to this world. And when you feel like the world has betrayed you and you're backed into a corner and your burden is heavy, then your actions are to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And Sorry, I'm very slow in my thoughts. No, it's a good thing. I mean to cut you off. No, go Sarah, but I, I love what, what's coming up for you because I am slow. I'm going to let you take it up. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. I think that this is, Sarah, the, the, the kind of idea that keeps popping into my head, and I'm sure you all are familiar with this African proverb, that a child that is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. And I, I just keep that that keeps popping into my mind too. Like, how does this child feel embraced? Like what what were the what were the pieces that we missed? What else was going on there that again violence seemed like the answer um to whatever problem they were struggling with? And I, I think that's the question that we're often left with. And it's a, maybe it's many questions. You know, Sarah, uh, I, I keep feeling we need one more ray. So to balance us out because he's clear. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. I'm learning a lot. That's good. Uh, uh, we don't want you to learn. We want you to fight back. I can, but I can be nasty. So I better not. <laughs> I'm curious, Ray. Um, this is Tessa again, because um, I'm curious about the word evil uh-huh. and depending on what's in our backpack is how we interpret that. And Probably, so yeah. growing up as when you're saying, you know, I think I per- personally think this action was evil. I'm not saying the person's evil, right. um, but growing up and being a Christian and inter- interpretation of that word uh-huh. is different for me. And it sounds uh-huh. as if it's different for you than it is for Swapna and Sarah. So it is interesting, and I think that too is is mm-hmm. how it goes to show that we all have our own language mm-hmm. and assumptions, even of this word evil, for example, mm-hmm. shows the difference between us as well. And so I, I don't know. I just want to point that out. Um, this is you know what I do all the time, and what we all do all the time is taking. I, I take myself and I say, okay, there's this physical part of me, there's the spiritual part of me, there's this cognitive part of me, all of these parts of me, and what can I show to the world? What can I show to this person or to my patients? And how do I let them live through their own backpack and, and add experiences into that that are that are um, helpful and, and lead towards growth? And um, But still, I have my own backpack and my own beliefs that I'm mm-hmm. looking through too, that I don't want to to negate. And so it's kind of this, it's this balance all the time where I'm like, this, this was an evil act. This was very sad. This was, you know, if we are thinking about it from a Christian aspect, you know, people are born into sin 
And it, it kind of puts it out there. I don't know if this puts my spirituality out there that I usually, um, I don't know what the word is, meter or, or, or protect right. and think if right. I, how much can I show uh, this person or that person? But mm-hmm. there sometimes I'm like, is that right or wrong? Anyway, I analyze as you can see all the time. Um, but yeah. I don't know, just, just some random thoughts there. Well, that's good. And yeah, I, I think the, the, go ahead. Ray, I'm going to interrupt you. You're good. Tessa, I'm going to say you don't overanalyze. You are overly um, cautious sometimes because you care and you think deeply. And uh, I feel sometimes we put ourselves down when we, when we think, when we think overthink things because sometimes people who overthink come up with no solutions. <laughs> Yeah. We're just thinkers and we are like uh, thinking it is like an infinite job and with no product to show at that. Uh, that's uh-huh. true. I have some solutions. I don't think people necessarily always want to hear them though. <laughs> Isn't that the truth in every profession? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sorry, Ray, I, I have one more thing and then I will come back. I, I'll let you okay. let sure. you keep your thought. So my thought was, I have this image in my head right now of a cemented pavement and a little grass and little weeds prop, cropping out of the little cracks in the pavement. Mm-hmm. And that's what we call exceptionalism. So how many flowers can bloom in that little crack? So if you mm-hmm. are a fertile ground and if you have all the resources and a beautiful pot and a beautiful watering schedule you're going to have a beautiful garden but if you're covered in concrete and you have little cracks here and there what comes up is evil looking weeds and not pretty flowers so sometimes as tessa says it's really in the backpack it's really what was provided it's like you have to bloom where you're planted and where you're planted sometimes is in the crack in the concrete. Mm -hmm. And exceptionalism is not the rule. When you are, you're not expecting people to bloom in a small crack in the concrete. So when people do it, that's great. But to expect everyone to bloom because one flower bloomed in the concrete is asking too much of people. Well, and I think it's all perspective. I, I think one of the, the reasons that I said evil was not a person, but mm-hmm. um, the idea. Okay, so if there is good in the world, mm-hmm. then, or mm-hmm. if there's bad in the world, then there's good in the world. And it's, it's easy to um, minimize actions to a cliche or a one liner. And I know that typically within Christianity, there's always these little cliches like, oh, God is good, or or that's just, you know, even the word that's evil, and or, um, you know, um, you reap what you sow. And I mean, there's these cliches that come out all the time within Christianity. And I think even in psychiatry, there's always these one-line cliches that people that are not in the realm kind of pull out. And, and, and psychiatry and also ministry are reduced to memes and kind of mm-hmm. laughing points. And so it's like, it's easy for someone on the outside to just reduce it to that. And so when, when I, when I think of evil, I do think of hope because that means when, when someone steps towards evil and if we're honest with ourselves, Mm -hmm. we've all, 
participated, whether tiny or large, in some action that hurt another human being. Mm -hmm. And that is making bad choices or, or hurting someone or cutting someone off on the highway. I mean, there's all sorts of different things that we can do that are small or large. But hope in evil is the opportunity for redemption or the opportunity for repentance or the opportunity to turn around, the opportunity for someone to extend an arm or a hand and walk with someone in their darkest hour. And I, that's in me when I think of evil as a something that's out there, just like good. It's almost like a, a path you can take. Uh, mm -hmm. You can take a path towards good or you can take a path towards bad. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe the word evil is way too strong um, because it does seem like it's hopeless or or there's no answer. Uh, the truth is there always is an answer. There always is a is a response that each individual they can choose. No mm -hmm. one's forcing them to do anything. There's no Hold cosmological. On, Ray. Hold on. Yep. Ray, I'm going to pause you. Sure. I don't know if there is always hope. It depends. It depends on perspective. You know, I'm a I'm a naturally positive person as far as like i've seen too many bad things and then i've seen too many good things to not have hope so sarah and tessa i'm going to brag on ray a little bit and christy a little bit they have been through so last six months for ray and christy have been horrendous uh christy his wife got diagnosed with stage four non-hodgkin's lymphoma in january Fourth, I think. Eleventh, yeah, yeah, ninth, tenth, eleventh, around there. Yeah. So, Sarah, I'm just going to take a little, little detour on the heavy discussion. <laughs> uh, so, Sarah was feeling sick on January third, huh. and uh, I was not supposed to go to Tulsa, and she called, she texted me and said, "Swapna, can you cover for me?" I said, "Yes," and that was the day that me, Ray, Christian, and Amea, Amea is my husband. We're going to do a talk on self-compassion, a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I said to Ray, hey, we cannot do it. But I called him on my way to Tulsa. And as he's talking about Christie's symptoms, the doctor in me started like panicking big time. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to hold my panic and not, not freak out on Ray. But I'm like, Ray, this is, you need to go. I mean, I was just like, I can still remember my panic and how I was trying to hold it in. So, so, uh, and that was like January 2nd when January 3rd, maybe when I was driving second or third. And then, then they've just been through this really difficult, really painful journey. And, uh, they have, they've been quite open about their pain mm -hmm. with their community and, it's been inspiring in so many ways. So Ray has been full of hope <laughs> yeah. in spite of a situation where most people would be given to despair. Mm -hmm. And so he is, uh, he and Christy have been, have been really open about their pain and hopeful in their pain. And so, I think Ray is the the flower on the cement, which <laughs> so, so I that completes my bragging on Ray. <laughs> well, and I think to my point about evil, um, in a certain constant context, you could talk with someone and they would say that cancer is evil, um, and it's not a person; it's something that will alter and destroy your life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the hope in it is that all the people that have gone before us, all the the scientific um, study and research and countless hours of de- uh, research and development has, has brought us to the point where last Tuesday, Christy had her final uh, cancer treatment. Yeah. And that's our, our hope is that it's gone and we'll know in six weeks after a PET scan mm-hmm. and so on. But, and I think in, in a, in a worldwide or a nationwide picture, there is a cancer in our society and it comes down to people not loving one another and their neighbor mm-hmm. and, and choosing to, to walk that way. And it, and it grows incredibly fast with online hate and with mm-hmm. just communities that can't get along because they're different. And you got to think like I think, and you got to act like I act. And, and it's, it's wrong. Um, we are so individually unique. And so there could be a diagnosis, but there, <laughs> every person is so unique. It'd be really hard. And I like the backpack idea, the analogy um, I, I've told people before, it's like carrying rocks. Um, I need to add a backpack because that makes it easier to carry. But <laughs> I, I talk about it as like carrying rocks. And there's only so many rocks you can carry, some mm-hmm. big and some small, before you drop them all. And um, you just get worn out and tired. And, I, and mm-hmm. I think in the United States as a whole, we have a culture of the pursuit of happiness and when generation after generation after generation does not succeed in that hope or in that promise, it, it becomes uh, despair. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, you, you live out of the country and you see it a little more acutely because out of the country, everyone's dream is to come to America. And mm-hmm. I try to convince people all the time, man, what you've got here is so great. And what you have right here doesn't have all those uh, struggles and, and all the, the, um, the weight that comes with providing and pursuing that dream. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's different internationally, you know? So mm-hmm. I encourage people to stay in Central America. I said, you'll, you'll be happier so, and you'll so be Ray, more productive. So let me, let me clearly ask you, are you saying that we should not be pursuing our dreams? <laughs> Did I say that? I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think as long as we're not stepping on other people to accomplish it, that's okay. Okay. I think there's something, this is Tessa, that um, a book, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about the happiest countries in the world. Yeah. And just the, really that, really the thought of pursuing happiness and how that is so, un, that's not going to get you there. And so mm-hmm. those countries are, I want to be content. I want to be, you know, this is not me trying to be happy. And if we aren't happy all the time. What does that mean? Does it mean I'm doing something wrong? And I just, I need uh-huh. to pursue it more and more and more. And that's, that's in my opinion, not what we're here for. We're not here to pursue happiness. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. You know, I like what you said about being a community and doing your part, because I think this taking time out of our family, families on a Saturday morning for all four of us, is is what we are doing in a hopeless situation, right? We all four of us know that our podcast is not going to make or break anything, and yet we find ourselves together, willingly and all in for this moment because this is our hope. This is we are hoping and dreaming of a world where we care about each other 
enough to to not be silent when mm-hmm. something like this happens mm-hmm. and to be openly in pain to openly mourn mm-hmm. to openly grieve i mean in 3 minutes meet asa and sara could wear our professional hats and give you a beautiful treatment formulation i mean mm-hmm. it would not take me more than 3 minutes to shift to being a doctor because this is what i do day in and day out like mm-hmm. i have these suicidal homicidal children adults and families and that's what that's our day job but i i and it's so easy for me to actually be the doctor than to sit in pain i i mm-hmm. i'm so tempted mm-hmm. as i as you guys were saying i started feeling like oh my god i need to be giving something concrete in this podcast and i was thinking that this is coming from my own pain of just being in pain mm-hmm. and i'm sure sasa and sara would agree that we could come up with a form beautiful formulation right mm-hmm. and it would be so beautiful <laughs> yeah and so worthless because <laughs> actually no i'm not going to say it's worthless because for every school shooting that happens i believe me sara and tasa prevent at least 100 <laughs> Yeah. That's that's yeah. a, and Ray, I I I I'm not going to claim what you prevent because I don't really. But I'm sure you do. And well, so- part of the part of my direction for everybody I work with, I'm always I always tell everyone, listen, you need a good doctor, you need a good therapist, and you need a good pastor. That's that's mm-hmm. one of the things. It's the mind, body, soul. You need you need a full approach. to life mm-hmm. not just one because what what happens a lot of times is people diagnose or misdiagnose the issue based on their field and it's like mm, this maybe is not a spiritual issue maybe this is a medical issue mm-hmm. um maybe this is not a medical issue maybe it's a mental issue and so let's let's actually figure out which one and it's it's kind of like if the military the bad analogy but military was protecting an island and all they were doing is looking at the sky mm-hmm. to see if there was going to be an aerial attack and then the enemy came by a submarine and got them by surprise mm-hmm. and that's what happens if you if you approach something one direction mm-hmm. um and i think that's the, the the potential downfall or the pitfall of of ministry that's the pitfall of psychiatry mm-hmm. that's the pitfall of medicine it's just like there is, humans are three parts or or you know we have these multiple mm-hmm. um things that we got to work on and so um we shouldn't just misdiagnose now i you said earlier sarah the early prevention or was a sarah test early prevention or or catching it early is the best um and i and in central america we saw the exact same thing generational issues mm-hmm. um that carry through were best attacked with children um and understanding that we may not be able to quote unquote fix uh, a parent mm-hmm. but we could make the next generation better uh starting mm-hmm. young Mm-hmm. So well and I I was surprised too this is Sarah that you know we often talk about one of the most important things for prevention is a relationship with a child a loving mm-hmm. caring relationship and mm-hmm. and I'm even thinking too in this space we're creating a loving caring relationship the sense of connection um and how in a sense therapeutic it is for us to be together and to talk in a contextual way about these big issues like i i i'm feeling my little heart feel better just even being here i wasn't anticipating that but i i feel a shift um and and i think valuing that in our society the the need for mm-hmm. connection you know the surgeon mm-hmm. general just talked about loneliness being a 
huge epidemic with our senior population. And I think the fact that medicine is speaking into that, the importance of relationships and connections in a world where it feels like our connections are so deplete. And so through social media and without context, I think it's a call for reaching out to each other, for being Mm. there for each other and really holding each other in this sacred space. That's good. That's all good. I love the word sacred Mm -hmm. that you used because I feel I was quite nervous before today's podcast because I was feeling hopeless Mm -hmm. and I'm still feeling hopeless, but, but I feel like there's so much power in connection. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I feel privileged that I work with you, Sarah, and I work with you, Tessa, and I've said this often. I'm just honored to be part of this team. We are we are all trying to, in our own ways, do something in the direction of good. Yeah. Some of our steps could be evil because we have <laughs> our own baggage. <laughs> but we try. I, I think what, what else can we do? We try. And uh, we may not succeed, but we keep trying. And that's the hope and the dream is that we will have enough support, enough connection, enough community, enough shared sacred spaces that we won't walk alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with the um, with the world or media or politicians or whatever wanting to offer a bunch of solutions, it overlooks the immediate pain of a family, of loss, of a community that's been overturned um, and, and walking with and sitting with people in suffering is one of the most powerful healing uh, moments that anybody can have. Mm-hmm. No, I, what were you saying, Tessa? I just said I agree. <laughs> so, so I know Tessa is very quiet and she has so many thoughts in her head that sometimes she thinks she's she she's more quiet than uh, than most people i know and uh, sometimes i feel like i have to like draw her out <laughs> because she she's she in her mind overthinks but but what comes out is is like little pearls of wisdom <laughs> you know like what happens swap now i'm on a podcast <laughs> so i was just telling ray that sometimes i'll may i'll make people do what they may not want to do (laughs) and so uh but i i really truly appreciate just being able to think about it and i was thinking i i have a good friend in my children's school and he is the vicar of uh, the my children go to an episcopal Christian Episcopal School and he's the vicar and I kept thinking I should have had him with us today because uh, he would have been the partner to Ray. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to have him I'm going to have him listen to the podcast and have him come on as a guest after this Ray because I talked to him already about it and uh, we said we should we should do something and all the good intentions sometimes are lost in the busyness of taking kids to soccer practice and mm-hmm. what and being a mother which i think is much more real sometimes than well and than, tessa to talk about swap is talking about you like her having to do you know force you to do things or whatever um she wouldn't come on my other podcasts for a long time and i finally like convinced her to come on she was scared to death 
I talked to her afterwards. She didn't want to talk to me anymore. And then finally got her to come back on. And now we have our own podcast. So, you know, so. it's contagious. <laughs> I was not scared. I was ambivalent that I had anything meaningful to say. Come on now. <laughs> you always have something to say. I do, but I don't know if it's meaningful. <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, as I was, uh, I have, I have drawn another doodle. Uh, of the six blind men and the elephant uh, uh-huh. in the in the things that we were talking about is that as we we experience the world in our blind way we might be touching the elephant and one of us might be touching the tail and one of us might be touching the legs mm-hmm. and one of us might be touching the ear in our different professional outlooks and in our different backpacks, and in our different ways of experiencing the world. And I feel that it's hard to really come together sometimes. And that's why I think we need the community. Uh Because alone, we are blinded Mm -hmm. by our backpacks. And together, we have hope Mm -hmm. of sharing our backpacks and the burdens, and maybe even putting down some that we don't need to keep carrying. Uh-huh. Good. So I do want at the end to call on Sarah and call on Tessa professionally for like maybe two minutes because I feel like me and Ray can keep talking endlessly. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and now Sarah and Tessa will know what we do when we do our podcast because you're, you have been with us for an hour. But, uh, but Sarah from her public, public health perspective has so much to offer. And Tessa from her infant mental health, family, mm-hmm. adversity, child abuse background has so much to offer that it would be a shame if I don't use this beautiful opportunity today and I know that uh, we had we had said we will just grieve together and mourn together, but I want to really call upon my co- amazing colleagues for just a few minutes, and uh, I'll let Sarah go first because Tessa is probably overthinking in her mind right now. <laughs> so this is Sarah and Swapna. I might need you to clarify the the question. Is this the the final thoughts of the topic today or what are you thinking uh, it's 58 minutes and usually i i feel like one hour 15 minutes is kind of the average length of our podcast and i feel what we have done has been amazing for me and i think it ha- it would be amazing for anyone because we've just been sitting with the pain we have mm-hmm. just kind of like looked at it from this different angles the elephant the evil elephant mm-hmm. sorry not <laughs> let's let's say buffalo can we talk about buffalo we're in oklahoma so let's just all touch a buffalo okay we can say <laughs> but you can't say it's evil because buffaloes are amazing come on yeah 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 okay so evil monster let's just oh, there, call you go, it. there you go there you go we have, we have been sitting with the evil monster and we've just like touched it and we've just like We've just been feeling, feeling, feeling for the last hour. And I wanted, I wanted 
and i know i did not uh, i i actually said we will not do this but i i wanted to provide some hope yeah okay um well that's a heavy task uh mm-hmm. but but i i think what i'm up for I mean, I think, you know, in the, the spirit of this conversation, it's it's the continued emphasis on our shared humanity and that although these events still occur, that there's still so much good and love in the world. And I think the invitation for us as humans to take care of ourselves um, as we take care of each other, um, as we take care of our children and to to be reminded, I think, of the value of that. We've, we've talked a lot about how much other stuff we have to do as being humans and, and maybe a pause and a reset for us to be reminded of the importance of caring for ourselves in the service of caring for each other. And I will, I will continue to feel pretty confident in the statement that, that we have more alike than we do different that we all want for ourselves to be safe, for our families to be safe, for our communities to be safe and to kind of to land on that shared value, even though we might have different ideas of how we get there. But but I, like you too, Ray, I'm still, I'm an optimist. I'm still confident that we continue to progress and move forward in spite of these really horrific things happening, um, but that love still exists and that we are here in the spirit today of love and connection um, and that others have the opportunity to do that too and the invitation to continue to do that as we move forward. Huh. You sure you don't want to just end on that one, Swapna? <laughs> I actually, I'm going to let you overthink in your head. I had a couple of thoughts. So, uh, because I want you to put your thoughts out there because as Ray said, sometimes we underestimate the power of our overthinking thoughts. Mm-hmm. But uh, I felt, coming back to something that Sarah said, I feel like loneliness is a disease that we have really just been dealing with with COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us, I mean, all the structures that were established for social connections, social norms, all the activities and events that we would do have broken down in the past two years. And I've seen this in my work is that families and children are having to relearn mm-hmm. the connections and shared experiences in the last two years and that is an additional rock that sometimes is hard to it's hard to remember that we have this is post pandemic pandemic i think the accident people road rage is higher um people acting out on things is higher people wanting to feel safe and buying more guns and i think if just trying to protect your own family is higher so a lot of things are higher because we are also wanting to be safe. And sometimes when you are wanting to be safe and are backed up in a corner, you don't know how to connect. When you are in pain, you don't know how to share the pain. Sometimes the pain is such a shameful, lonely place Mm -hmm. that you don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pause and let Tessa say something. Okay. Thank you, Swapna. I'm, I'm thinking of those different parts of us. And I think in my work, I believe that I try to give people a space to put all of those parts together. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come in and just talk to me about your depression and sadness, but we can talk about your 
spirituality and physical ailments and all of that and putting not having to divide ourselves up, I think, in providing a space uh, for that. I think relationships is, is kind of the the theme that we all that you hear all of us say, and that's because it's a powerful hope generator. It's the gift that we've been given each other, and so I think being able to come in these together in these spaces. And to build on relationships and know, like I'm telling parents all the time, um, your kids need you. You know, we I can look at this biologically, spiritually, any way you want me to look at this mental health wise. And all the data shows they need you and that yeah. it is healing. And so I think emphasizing that it's not this relationship soft science. It's it. It works. <laughs> Coming together works. Talking about these things works and being there and allowing people to express their emotions and not jump to the doing and going back to the old, the being is the doing and allowing people to be and accept that being, um, I think has a huge impact so that when we go about to do things, uh, we haven't skipped a step where we do things in, in ignorance or without thinking. Mm -hmm. Love it. Ray, wanna... what's your what's your uh, final message of message of hope? Well, I don't <laughs> I don't even know I don't know if I need to offer anything else than than you guys have offered. I I want to tell all three of you thank you for your work. Um, you specializing in the areas that you have uh, is so valuable, um, and taking time to actually do good um, in our society, um, especially with the least of these, which are with are, which are children, um, is, a, is a powerful thing. And I want to thank you. Thank you all for that. Um, Tessa, you just said relationships are a powerful hope generator. Agreed 100%. Uh, Sarah, you said the positive optimism um, of the, for the future is something we should not sit in despair, uh, but we should look to the future uh, that there is a new tomorrow. Um, and uh, you know, Swapna, thanks for putting up with me and and uh, allowing this to happen. Um, all three of you and your work is is inspirational, and I really thank you for your for your vocation, but also your hearts to do it. Uh, it's a that's a great thing. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was very kind and uh, positive. Mm -hmm. So you know, I, I'm I'm just uh, I don't know if we healed ourselves a little bit today, but I do feel that we did something that was truly meaningful for me. I am mm -hmm. very thankful that I was able to, it was almost like sometimes you cannot sit together. I mean, when would we just have four of us together in one space? And mm -hmm. I took a picture of four of us in the beginning and I just, I almost feel like we should put a picture in addition to the audio because it, it will, it's just a sweet, shared space i mean i would love for us to be in one space but covid has been a gift and we can now imagine the world in a non-physical four different i mean sarah and tassar in tulsa me and rear in oklahoma city and yet we feel like we have a shared connection which supersedes the physical space we don't need to be in a physical space to do this and I'm just so thankful for that I'm thankful for having Tessa 
and Sarah to be my colleagues. I'm so thankful for Ray to to goof around <laughs> and not have the burden of fixing or solving or treating or I don't know helping. <laughs> so I, I just feel like uh, I love what Sarah said. We should take care care of ourselves, and I felt like we did do that a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you guys for taking your time on a weekend to to sit with us and talk through this. That's very powerful and I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having us. I don't know, I'm going for a walk now, but I feel like underprepared, like I'm supposed to be fancy, like walking sticks and looking. <laughs> only hikes, only hikes in the okay, Rockies. Okay, what do you do at this point? Okay. <laughs> so, so Tessa, I met Ray on a five mile, I don't know, 600 feet elevation hike. And so he was fancy. And this year, I'm going to borrow his sticks because he's going to Colorado in July. So I know those sticks are available to borrow. I will loan them to you. That's fine. Yeah, I, And then I will be the fancy one this year. <laughs> drink so, lots of water. That's all I can say. Drink lots of drink, water. Drink water and carry the fancy sticks. And there take care of ourselves or take care of myself and then others. That's right. It's a reciprocal journey where if you cannot take care of yourself, if you do not put your own oxygen mask first, mm-hmm. you cannot yeah. you cannot give oxygen back to others. So no. I'm very thankful. And we are going to put together, me, Sarah, and Tessa will exchange a few emails in the next few days to come up with three resources. I already in my head have that I'm going to send to you, Ray. And Sarah, I'm sure, has the paper and a couple of others. And Tessa will have 50, but she will share three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, guys. Um, It's been a great time on Dreams and Hope podcast. This is Swapna saying goodbye. This is Ray saying goodbye. This is Sarah saying goodbye. This is Tessa saying goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 